I'm going to invite you to take your Bible or your device, if you prefer that, and turn with me to Proverbs. If you come to Psalms, it's right adjacent to that, to the right. If you're in Isaiah, you're a little too far. Proverbs chapter 1, and we're doing this series this summer in the book of Proverbs, and we've been sort of using this foundational text that I've been reading each week. Just listen to the things God says and how inviting these verses are and and things that we would be drawn to. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning right in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 7. It says, Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and learn to add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Let me pray with you for a sec. So Father, we bow in your presence now. We invite you to speak to us as only you can, clearly from your word, in a way that penetrates, in a way that's transformative, in a way that's just deeply inviting. And so we ask this, in a way that would bring honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I was thinking about it, and I think it would be really interesting if everybody was required to have a license to operate their mouth. You know, like every five years or so, you'd have to go in and get retested to make sure you're still competent to use your tongue. And we could create a whole department of motor mouths to monitor speech. See, Solomon understood the power of the tongue. And of all the 31 chapters of the Proverbs, more was devoted to human speech than any other type of proverb. He understood the power of that. And so we're going to be talking about the tongue today. And on the screen behind me is kind of our main text today, Proverbs 18.21. And I want us to read it together as a congregation. Let's read together. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. Our words have the capacity to do a tremendous amount of damage. We can crush someone's spirit. We can poke a hole in their dreams. We can fill them with resentment. But the good news is, Solomon says, the right word to the right person, delivered at the right time, in the right spirit, wow, that can be so life-giving. Someone who thought they were all alone can be reassured through speech that they're not alone, that they're actually loved. Someone who is confused can receive guidance and direction. Someone who's just about to give up can be given words of hope. Someone who is about to make the biggest mistake of their life, wise words can help put the brakes on that path in life. Words have the power of life and death. 
And you know, in our country, and in the United States as well, we have incredible freedom to say just about anything we want. And some people, I think in the culture in particular, are focused on that, on freedom to say whatever you want and tolerance. I would argue with that incredible freedom comes a massive amount of responsibility. We have the responsibility, especially as followers of Jesus, as biblical believers, to be responsible with our speech. We have the responsibility to be responsible with our speech. Now, all through this series, I've been just inviting you to say and to pray and say, Spirit of God, there's all these sort of slices of life that make up the Proverbs, and they're all in different places through the Proverbs. And as we move through them, Spirit of God, is there a particular set of Proverbs or a particular proverb that you just want to land in my life? And I invite you to be praying that kind of prayer. Is this the proverb where God just wants to land in your life and do some remolding, reshaping? Somebody wrote me last week and they said, man, that proverb just landed in my life and God's just doing some transformative work in my life. So first of all, I want to take a few minutes and talk to you about just the damage that can be done through the tongue. Because remember, he said, it has the power of life and death. So in Proverbs chapter uh, 29, verse 20, it says, do you see a man who speaks in haste? There's more hope for a fool than for him. And there's this contrast constantly going on in the Proverbs of the wise person, the person who makes and takes information and properly and rightly applies it versus the fool. And he says, the person that speaks in haste, there's more hope for a fool than for him. And as we said in the introductory message in this series, Proverbs is all about wisdom. This is why I called it Sophia. And the Greek translation of that is wisdom. Wise people say, Lord, help me not to be in a rush to speak because they understand, and God's put it in their heart, that even if their heart is in the right place, even if I kind of really want to say the right things, I still need to let God weigh my words, and especially the timing of them. Because it's incredibly easy to miscommunicate with people. It's really easy to do it. And this guy that was... uh, talking to a large group of people. He was aware of this danger, and so he wanted to be really clear in his communication. And so he put um, four jars on the front where he was talking. And in each jar, he put a worm. And in the first jar, he added to the worm in the jar a big amount of booze. In the second jar, he had a little hose, and he piped in cigarette smoke. And in the third jar, he put in rich, thick, pure chocolate syrup. And in the fourth one, he put in good, clean topsoil. And he just left the worms there through his whole talk. And at the end, he encouraged people to have a look at the four jars. And of course, the worm in the alcohol was either dead or extremely sleepy. Worm number two was dead, worm number three was dead, and worm number four was thriving. And he said, so what do we learn from this, folks? 
woman sticks up her hand and she says, as long as we drink way too much and smoke like a chimney and eat a lot of rich food, we'll never have worms. (laughs) Communication at the best of times really can be a challenge. And when the subject gets sensitive, a wise person hits pause before they speak. And you know what a really wise person does? A really wise person says, God, would you help me with this? This is one of the promises from God in James chapter 1, verse 5. And we know this verse, well-known verse. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. You know, I had to go to Saskatchewan on Thursday for a funeral. And it was a four and a half hour drive there, the funeral, and a four and a half hour drive back. And I had lots of time to think. And I was thinking back over my life. And I thought, you know, there's a couple of times, I I could think of two times in my life when I spoke in real haste in a tough situation and it all worked out. And I was really glad I did because if I'd had time to think about it, in this tough situation, I probably wouldn't have had the courage to say what I did. And those people desperately needed to hear it. But all the other times in a sensitive situation where I just blurted out whatever was in my head, I've regretted speaking that kind of way in a delicate situation. If we need wisdom, we can humbly ask God and he'll give it. But if on the other hand, we speak first and pray later, have you ever prayed this kind of prayer? I have. God, why oh why did I say what I just said? How am I going to get out of this mess I've just created? Sometimes the wisdom of God will be to say nothing at all. Sometimes it'll be, don't say what you need to say just yet. I'll show you when. Or yeah, there's some things that absolutely need to be said, but don't say these other things over there. 1728 Proverbs says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. And 2617, like one who seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel, not his own. Do you remember in our introductory message, Proverbs are different than commands or promises in Scripture. Commands and promises apply across the board, and God just says, I'm commanding you, I want you to do this. There's no ambiguity, it's very clear, do this or don't do that. A promise is something God says, I am going to do this for the the family of God, for the individuals in the family of God. And God is true and doesn't lie, and he comes through on his promises, and you can trust his promises. He's a covenant maker, no worries whatsoever. A proverb is a bit different. It's absolutely true, but it's it's an observation about how things generally are. And so for some people, based on how God has made them, it can be a little bit more applicable to one person than the other. Because some people are very uh, sort of withdrawn and kind of more silent, and some are more outspoken. But help me to know, is this a situation I should step into or not? And this proverb is wild. It says, you know, 
It's like grabbing a stray dog by the ears when you step into a quarrel that's not your own. And we have to remember that, you know, when this was being written, the dogs primarily back then were wild, and they were not pets like most of us have now. And even when I've been in Israel and Jordan, there's like little packs of dogs running around, and they're kind of wild and kind of sketchy. And I can't imagine grabbing one of them by the ears. I think you'd end up with some stitches and a quick set of rabies shots. The idea, Solomon says, is I don't need to go around trying to fix everybody. I don't always have to take sides. But some of us, in fact, people like me, love to do that. Sometimes it would just be best for me not to jump in the middle of a quarrel I see unfolding before me. Of course, on the other side, when we ask and receive God's leading, he'll say things like this to us. Wounds, chapter 27, verse 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So Deb and I were at this event, it happened a while ago, and uh, we finished the event and we're leaving and there's this massive line of cars and they're all going to turn right and I need to turn left. And it's just taking forever because there's a steady stream of cars cutting them off. Nobody's moving. And if you know me, I'm starting to get a little more and more impatient. And off to the left, there's this short little lane that if you went down that lane, you could get out and turn left, it would be no problem whatsoever. There was no one there, it was absolutely safe, and you could easily accomplish this. The problem was, is it was a one-way coming this way. And I got more and more impatient, and finally I just took that road and went over there and turned left and kept going. And Deb says to me, you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. And I said, ah, nobody was coming. It was no problem. It was totally safe. And she says, well, it's not just that. When you do stuff like that, Scott, you're putting yourself in a special category where you think the rules don't apply to you. And you're sort of putting yourself above everybody else when you do that. I thought about that, and I made the decision right then and there that I would never do that again when Debbie was in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Now, it didn't happen exactly like that. But the fact is, like when you love someone or they're a friend or you care about them, you're called on to build into them, to correct them. And I really needed my character corrected that day. because I had a bit of that attitude. Oh, I can do this. I'm a special case. Proverbs 25, 12. Like an earring of gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. That's a valuable thing. See, if I really care about someone, if I really love them, if they're a friend or if they're an acquaintance, I want to, what does the scripture say? Mature followers of Jesus speak the truth in love. It says that in Ephesians 4. The immature followers of Jesus don't do those things. And earlier where it says, if you just blow kisses at them, you're actually your, their enemy. We do this. We step back and we know God wants us to speak into a situation and we don't have the courage or we don't have the patience to listen to him to how to do it. What we're actually doing is we're being that person's enemy. 
Because wounds from a friend, they sting a little bit, but they're helpful. And what she said to me that day stung a little bit, but was absolutely true. There's also a whole category. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of Proverbs that talk about flat, false flattery. There's also a whole category about how we talk about each other. And so in 18, verse 9, it says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. And if this is something you struggle with, if you wrestle with gossip, this is something I'll talk to you about. You need to have built into your life that person who has the courage to hold you accountable. Where you can say to them, man, when you hear me starting to go down that gossip road, because I'm tempted that way, I'm prone that way, you need to have a little signal or bring me aside and say, you need to stop that now. You need to repent of that sin right now and ask God to change your heart. You know, there's seven different times in the book of Proverbs where Solomon connects, in a sense, the stuff that's going on. He says, in your heart. He means what's being cultivated in your life will eventually come out of your mouth. The kinds of things you're cultivating in your life will eventually come out of your mouth. And Jesus reiterates this in Matthew 12. He says, out of the, outer flow, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if I have a mouth problem, if I shouldn't get my motor mouth license renewed, it means I have a heart problem. Whatever's going on inside me is eventually going to come out of my mouth, and only God can change that kind of issue in your life. It begins with repentance. It begins with forming new habits. It begins with being committed to say, my tongue is going to be life-giving rather than death-giving. More general wisdom. Chapter 15, verse 1. It says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a fool uses email and social media. A soft answer doesn't mean I agree. You might disagree with that person 100%, but when the other person starts getting heated and you see the signs, their cheeks start to flush a little bit, their voice starts to quiver a little, you can tell their blood pressure is going up, the rhetoric is getting more personal and more intense. The temptation for you and, and for me is to match and to try and best them in that area and get louder and get more angry. Solomon's saying, listen, you don't have to agree. You might disagree 100%, but a softer answer tends to turn the temperature down. A softer answer actually allows you to address the real issue rather than just shouting names at each other or whatever you dissolve into. And by the way, the proverb actually says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up angry, anger. And I've said this before, I absolutely believe, and in particular the last couple of years, that email and social media, with their relative anonymity, have caused us to do things we would never have the guts to do face to face. The level of sarcasm, the level of rudeness, that people feel free to propagate on others, 
with social media or with email. They'd never do it face to face. If you have to, notice what I said there, if you have to, in other words, you can't have a face to face and second best is on a phone call, which is not as great as being face to face. But if you have to send a message that's of a sensitive nature, before you push send, it's wise to put it in draft mode for a while. Maybe have someone you trust look it over. Just this week, I was with someone, talking to someone, and they had to send a message to their spouse. It's complicated. And it was a delicate issue. And they had the wisdom to send it to me. And I knew the issues, the background. And they said, listen, am I communicating this right? Am I, am I clear? Is there any way this person that you can see is going to take this wrong? Because that's not my goal. My goal is to build up our marriage and our relationship. And so they sent it to me, and I edited it, and I sent it back. That's a wise person at work. Before you blow out a message, it could do a ton of damage. Let's talk about, uh, we've been talking about the hard side. Let's talk about some of the life-giving signs from a tongue, the tongue. So it says in, in chapter 10, verse 19, when words are many, sin is not absent. So like, if the whole goal of your life is to avoid sin, you just, you wouldn't try and say anything at all. If the, the, the goal, if you read Bible, the God's goal for us is so much greater than simply not to sin. Just, if my whole focus in life is just to avoid sin, that's the way of the Pharisee. It's the way of legalism. It's the way of trying to earn favor with God, which of course we can't do. Only found in the grace of Christ. God's goal for us is way bigger than that. His goal... It's like a water, it begins with a waterfall of praise. Debbie and I will go out to Lundbrook Falls once in a while, west of here, and probably most of the people listening have been there. And so one of his goals for us is just like a waterfall of praise with our tongue, uh, of using our tongue to help build the kingdom of God here on earth. Of, of being a person that reflects Jesus in what we say and how we say it and when we say it. And that when people see us, they go, you know, there's something different about that guy, about that woman, the way they speak, the way they, ex- there's a joy about them, there's a love about them that's really inviting. And God wants us to be a creative people, a people of of, of hope in Jesus with our tongue. 25, verse 11. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word apt, like the right word at the right time to the right person with the right spirit is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Gold and silver, precious metals. How valuable your words can be. Proverbs 15.4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. We've been singing about that today. Have you noticed that? And we read about that in Psalm 37 earlier. The, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. 
Donnie was uh, 19, living in the United States. And uh, Johnny had and still has Down syndrome. And at the time this happened, Johnny was working in a grocery store, bagging groceries and helping the customers with them and carry them out and stuff like that. And he heard a talk one day on the tongue from the Proverbs. And he was praying and he was saying, God, what do I do with something like that? And uh, God put something in Johnny's heart to do. Johnny went home every day and he would look for something, a, a, a thought or a blessing that he could communicate. And he sat down, his dad helped him at the computer and he would type out this blessing. He would copy and paste it six times on a page. He made 50 copies each night. Then he would hand cut out all 300 of them and he would sign them on the back. And then when he would go to work the next day, after he was finished packing the customer's groceries, he would put one of those papers on the top and then he would look the customer in the eye and he would say, I put a great saying in your bag. I hope it, have, hope you have, I hope it helps you to have a great day. Thanks for coming in. And about, he did this for about a month. And uh, the store manager comes out and he notices that Johnny's line, where he's packing groceries, is three times as long as everybody else's. And so he goes over and he kind of politely tries to say to the different customers, you know, why don't you go over, there's an open line right there and we can get things moving. And nobody wanted to move. And this woman actually said to him, you know, I used to come to your store every week or two to buy groceries. Now I come a lot more frequently. And I come on the days when Johnny's working because I want to receive what Johnny's giving. Do you have that kind of power? When you let Jesus speak through you. When you, when you humbly say, Lord, my life is, wow, it's totally in your hands. I'm your child. I'm your surrendered servant. Would you anoint me and fill me anew with your spirit? Would you make me a blessing in someone's life? May I be actually life-giving rather than death-giving? May my tongue be used to produce life in Jesus' name. Proverbs 25, 11, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. The right word at the right time to the right person delivered in the right spirit. What I'd like us to do is just bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute. And rather than say anything more other than what I'm about to say, I want there to just be some silent time. Some time for you to just say, God, is there something you want to say to me? Not just about my tongue, but the kinds of stuff I'm cultivating in my life that will come out of my tongue. Speak now, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I'll say amen when we're done.